great to be back with WGN. It's White Sox Weekly on the official radio station of the Chicago White Sox. 720 WGN. Working on a nickname for Lucas Giolito, celebrating a White Sox win. Going to hear from the White Sox first-round draft pick, Andrew Vaughn, coming up after 5 o'clock here on White Sox Weekly. Thanks for joining us. I'm Mark Harmon. Good to be with you this Saturday afternoon. Hope you're having a great day. I'm looking back in time on Giolito. Like when he was playing in the Rising Stars All-Star game, he just scribbled out the Lito, and he just went with Gio. But that's boring. Let's. We need. I think we can do more. Uh, an, an interesting comment from Steve Stone on the broadcast today. Steve Stone, been around this game quite a while. Won a Cy Young, the whole deal. Knows pitching pretty well, right? Says, quote, he's never seen a transformation in a pitcher like he has in Lucas Giolito. He has never seen a transformation like he has in Lucas Giolito. I mean, that is high praise. And I don't think Stoney is just trying to be hyperbolic and be Mr. Rah-Rah Steve Stone on the broadcast. I mean that's uh, that tells you something right there. I mean it's if a guy like that who knows exactly what he's talking about is saying it, uh, I don't think we're going too far to work on a nickname here. Hey, vote early and vote often. Help get Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, James McCann, Yon Moncada to the 2019 MLB All Star Game. You can't vote for pitchers. That's why Lucas isn't on there, and uh, Lucas won't need to worry about that. He'll be in Cleveland. It's presented by Mastercard. Vote now at WhiteSox.com/vote. Sergio, welcome to WGN and White Sox Weekly. Go ahead. How's it going? I'm uh, I'm thinking Lucas Smooth Giolito. Everything about him has just been smooth. Watching him pitch, his interviews, delivery. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Lucas Smooth Giolito. Cool, composed, smooth. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I, it's been phenomenal. I've been there at home watching him pitch a couple times, and it and it's been great. It is. It's enjoy. It's rare for me to say like go to the ballpark and watch an individual player. I'm more just kind of a team guy. Enjoy the day. Go yeah. to a baseball game. I don't really pay attention to who's on the mound per se. I just enjoy the game of baseball. Period. But Lucas is actually worth going for because if you oh, if, if you're gonna and, and I appreciate the call, Sergio. Thanks so much. Like if you're going to go and actually sit there and pay attention, which I think about I don't know three percent of the people do when they go to baseball games, right? You sit down the line, you have a hot dog, you drink a beer, you talk to your friend. You're not really paying close attention. Maybe if you're sitting, uh, but there are some diehards who sit there, and I think you almost have to be behind home plate if you really want to watch the game, right? You want to know strike zone, all that type of stuff. Lucas has just been very fun to watch, just his consistency um, and how he handles each at bat the... In the past, when he, when things would go awry, he would lose himself. He'd show his emotion on the mound, and then you knew it was about to go right off a cliff. Now, when he walks a batter, he you can just you can see the way he's talking to himself. It's impressive, and he gets himself right back on track. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. John, welcome to seven twenty WGN. Go ahead. Yeah, I was thinking of jumping on the old Pontiac muscle car called Jalicio. The Pontiac Muscle Car. You're, you're, this is where I don't play, John. You've got to explain that one to me. There's the old GTO from... Uh, oh, GTO. I got it. Okay. GTO, yeah. No, no. I'm, okay, I'm with you. That's not bad. I, I think... Play on it a little bit. Go yeah, ahead. You know, I think Lucas likes cars, too. i got to double-check that, but I seem to remember him having like, some level of enjoyment of a vehicle. 
Little yeah, G. I know they often call, call the GTO the goat. We don't want to call him that. Wasn't there like a theme song for that uh, for the GTO? Little GTO, you sure yeah, look fine, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that would be fun if they if he came like out of the dugout and they were playing that, or you know, get a little right. little, little organ right, music, right. Bum, 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 right. like after a strikeout. Right. Not a punch out when they called Pontiac's ponchos back in the day too. <laughs> did you have but a GTO? Do you have a GTO, John? No, but I have I have a Pontiac Solstice now, but my first car was a GTO and a tuxedo. It was a Grand Prix. Pontiac still makes cars? That's amazing. I didn't know that. No, no, they don't. They don't. But oh. I, I, I got this in 2010. It was a, the, uh, the, uh, the Solstice. It was uh, My girlfriend was out of town for the weekend, so I, I quickly bought that. And I got 10 years of driving out of it for two hours of riding, and I think it's well worth it. This is kind of fascinating, John. Your girlfriend would have been anti-you buying a Pontiac. She left for the weekend. You went out and bought one, and you still have it here in 2019. Did I hear that right? Yeah, but she wasn't against it. She just said, hey, what do you mean, buying this? But she's fine right now. Nope. I give her the keys once in a while. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> nice of you, John. Thanks for calling, man. <laughs> little GTO, right. little Giolito. I like it. 312-981-7200. Love the creativity coming in here. Uh, let us get, uh, who do we got here? Let's go with Tony. Welcome to WGN. Tony, go ahead, man. Hey, how you doing? Good, Tony. Good. Listen, how about Lucas Gillette? Lucas? Like the, like the shaver, like the razor, like the shaver, you know. Yeah, I get He shoots the corners and he pins the ball down. Right, and 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 every day you got to have a good shave. You got to rely on something. This could be good for Lucas's pocketbook if he's listening. That's what I was going to say too. He could tattoo it on his forehead and make a fortune outside of what he's going to make next year, anyway. Yeah, I don't know if he wants to quite go tattoo on the forehead. Look, that's a little aggressive, but I got you. All right, Tony Gillette Giolito. Let's um, let's all make some money. Uh, for, yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate. Maybe maybe Gillette is, is you know. I don't know if they're watching White Sox baseball, but they should be. Come on, Gillette. See what you got in Giolito. Mike, what's going on? Yeah, I'd be afraid to uh, deny that offer there, Tom. What's that? I'd, I'd be afraid to deny that offer there. You know, <laughs> you should make them number one, you know? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Anyways, uh, how about uh, McCann? I think he's been a lot to do with uh, Lucas's. Success? No, that's it, Mike. So? No, no, Mike. I think I absolutely agree. It's a great point, and, and I appreciate the phone call. We're just up against the break here. You're absolutely right. James McCann coming over here from Detroit has helped Lucas a ton. One of the biggest things that McCann has done, and uh, he shared this, was like he would sit in the Tigers' dugout and watch Giolito, and he would know what Giolito they were getting because if the Tigers were getting to him, you would. Basically, as McCann put it, you would just watch him fall apart. And you knew that, okay, he's not making it out of the third inning today. And so he comes over here, and he tells him this. You can't be showing your emotion on the mound. And I'm sure that Giolito probably has heard that before. But to hear it from a guy that he was competing against, who's now on the ball club, and he's working with them behind home plate, it clearly had an impact. And in addition to that, probably even more importantly, they have varied... The way they attack hitters. He sees the Royals. He sees them again. It's a totally different attack. One day he's throwing a ton of off-speed pitches. The next day he's coming with the hard stuff. 
They're keeping teams off balance. And I get it, the Royals aren't the 1927 Yankees. But there's a strategy that's going on, and there's a chemistry between those two that's been enormously important. It's a very good observation right there. It's uh, it's spot on. Uh, Jim, go ahead, man. Welcome to 720 WGN, White Sox Weekly. Hey, hey, how you doing, uh, uh, Jim here? I got a nickname for you, uh, Lucas uh, Pukas, because I, I tell you what, this Lucas guy, he's making these he's making these hitters sick up there. Oh. Uh, the change up, the fastball, he's working it. He, he's dynamite up there. I like Lucas Pukas. What do you think? I, well, see, now, it almost sounds like you're insulting him, Jim, but then I get it. You're, he's making the other batters puke. I don't know if... It, it, I, exactly, yeah. No, no insult to Lucas. He, the kid is he, he's impeccable. I got you. All right, Jim. Thank you. Lucas Pukas. See that that's the low that's the low level of, of 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 nickname analysis that I like. I mean, we don't need to go. This doesn't need to be a class at Harvard right here. That's fine. Lucas Pucas. It rhymes. It's uh, catchy. Not necessarily catchy, but a, a good effort. I liked it. David, welcome to WGN. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Good man. Thanks for calling. You know, that's kind of uh, Lucas Pucas is kind of funny. Maybe if he catches the cold, we call him uh, Lucas Mucus. But uh, I was thinking along the lines of that guy that was talking about him being smooth. What if you called him Silky G? Say that again, Silky G. Silky G. Silky G. Mm-hmm. That sort of ups the coolness of Lucas. Thank you so much, David. Like I don't know if I would like Silky. I mean, the Silky in this town that was Dennis McKinnon back in the day. I'm sure people might remember that. There's this thing going on with the 100-year celebration with the Bears this weekend. I'm sure everyone's seen it. Silky D was, I mean, good old number 85. I don't know if I can, you know, silk up Lucas. He's a little more, I don't know, buttoned up for, for, for Silky for me. But, you know, if it, again, if he's down with it, we can, we can play around. All right. Hey, thanks, everybody, for uh, checking in here. We are going to get to our, our first interview of the show coming back after 5 o'clock. Andrew Vaughn. White Sox number three overall draft pick in the 2019 draft, your newest addition that hopefully you'll see at Guaranteed Rate Field somewhere down the line coming up. Quick timeout, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN with you till 630. My name is Mark Harmon. As we get into... Some conversations I've had with uh, one with Nick Hosteller, who's the White Sox Director of Scouting. That's coming up after 5.30. Uh, But the White Sox selected Andrew Vaughn, number three overall, their first-round draft pick. First went a catcher out of Oregon State, Andy Rutschman, and then Bobby Witt Jr., whose father, big-time big leaguer, shortstop, stud, went to Kansas City number two. But the best hitter in this draft is Andrew Vaughn by pretty much near consensus of all scouts. Quote, he marries an excellent approach at the plate with a, pre, a preternatural feel for the barrel. He projects to have at least a plus hit tool and power potential. He is expected to be someone that hits in the top four in the order. Now, he's a little bit undersized uh, for a standard first baseman. He's, he's six feet tall, and he throws right-handed. So, you know, your standard lefty, uh, your standard first baseman tends to be a lefty. So this guy is a right-handed hitting first baseman. And the White Sox are the first team to take a first baseman in the top three 
since the Kansas City Royals did it all the way back in 2008. So 11 years ago. You don't see this all the time. But the White Sox love his bat, and they made him the number 3 overall pick. So let's uh, start our conversation with Andrew right now. And I asked him to start off, or did he know when draft day came around that he was going to be with the Chicago White Sox? Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, truly, I had really no idea. Um, to be honest, I thought it would be a great fit, talking to Nick um, when I got to meet him when he came out to Cal. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with it. And then uh, to hear my name called, the third pick was unbelievable. So... How come you didn't come out after your sophomore year? You put up phenomenal numbers. I know you loved being at Cal, but was there anything else going on? Um, I just wasn't, I wasn't 21 yet. I wasn't draft eligible. Okay, I didn't realize you had to be 21 once you go to college. Okay, so I'm learning here. Was there any thought about going back for a senior year? Are you still thinking about that? I know that most people say that it's a lock that you're going to be signing up with the White Sox. Um, yeah, the opportunity presents itself, so that's most likely what's going to happen. Okay. What do you know about the White Sox, Andrew? Um, right now, they're, like I was talking to Nick, um, they've drafted a couple really good players in the past couple of years. Jake Berger, I know he just had surgery. Uh, Nick Madrigal, Steel Walker, which are some guys I played with. Um, and it's a it's a rebuild time. Um, you know, you got Mankata coming up doing his thing, and a couple other guys, and they're getting ready to win some championships here in the following years. Um, and that's what Nick said and preached, and I hope I can be a part of that. What did the White Sox want to know when they were talking to you? Um, just who I was as a person. Um, we did talk baseball, obviously. Um, that's what it's about. They just wanted to know who I am, what type of person I am. and I'm just a family guy. and Pretty simple. That's who I am. Yeah, I saw some of the pictures when you were getting drafted. I'm assuming that's your girlfriend who was sitting there right with you? Yes, that was. She seemed pretty happy, Andrew. She was pumped. Our whole family was pumped. There was a couple tears shed, I'll tell you that. What's that like, if you could just explain to us regular people here who never get their name called as the number three overall draft pick at MLB, when you hear that name and you know that, oh my God, I got a great chance to play Major League Baseball, obviously you've thought about this, but then to actually have the moment happen, what what, what would you say? Um, yeah, it's just a whole moment of not knowing leading up to it, um, and then just everybody was sitting around over on the TV, and then when the commissioner came on and said my name, it was, I, I mean, it honestly kind of just blurred together. I just stood up and hugged all my family members and my girlfriend, and it was just an unbelievable moment. Yeah, yeah. Where on the street as you enjoy fishing, Andrew? I am actually up at my grandparents doing that right now. I just spent like 12 hours in the water yesterday. Biggest fish you've ever caught? Biggest fish? Um, like a 35-pound king salmon. Oh, my God. You do that all by yourself? Um, well, I reeled it in. We went out with, uh, it was actually my dad's high school football coach, and uh, he had a sweet boat out there, and we were using downriggers, and it went off, and I grabbed it, and it fought for like 30 minutes. So you sound like a California kid through and through. Yeah, yeah you could say that. More Northern California. Do, do you do you know what you have your in store here for in Chicago? You know it's like forty degrees on opening day. Oh yeah, it gets cold around that. Okay. Me the warmest place. I promise you that. Have you seen the movie The Graduate? The Graduate. Oh, I don't think I have. <laughs> it, I, just made, I just aged myself, and and I'm, I'm sure a bunch <laughs> of our WGN listeners, but. Uh, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, he's chasing a girl. It's at Cal Berkeley. 
he doesn't have quite the career path that you have. He's trying to figure it out as a, as a college kid. It's 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 a hell of a film, Andrew. I, I highly recommend. Well, I might have to look into it. Yeah, it's, it's it, it 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 falls under the the, the, the classic category. Uh, so here, tell me tell me what it was uh, like playing in the Cape Cod League for you, using the wood bats and maybe proving to yourself that okay, I I, I can do this with what I'm going to need in the future. Um, yeah, definitely. The biggest thing for me with the wood bat was just shortening my swing, and the wood bat's definitely a little heavier than a metal bat, so getting used to that was kind of nice. Um, you just got to trust your hands, and playing the Cape unbelievable. You're facing the best pitchers on every college team. You're getting every Friday guy coming out the first four innings, and then and then the next Friday guy the next four innings, and then you're probably going to get a closer from the Power 5 school coming out, so it's a challenge, and it's really fun. Um, I mean, you're playing on middle school fields. There's nothing like playing in Wareham when the gravel infield turns black when it rains. Um, <laughs> so that was interesting, but it was a, it was a lot of fun. When did you? When do you think you knew? I don't know. Going to Cal, maybe your freshman year, maybe before that. That you know what? I probably have the talent to play Major League Baseball. Um, I think it was um, my freshman summer, getting invited to the Team USA. I was just a freshman. That was a, was a pretty great moment. Yeah, because you're you know people will say, well, he's a little undersized for first baseman. He's a right-handed hitting first baseman, but yet he hits the living. Daylight's out of the baseball, so you're not like the prototypical guy. So maybe, maybe you were—I don't know—did that contribute to you, perhaps, just like maybe not knowing as as soon as say the the, the six foot six inch dude who who looks like exactly what you know a major league baseball player in the dream world you know scouts would love. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely puts a little chip on my shoulder. Just goes to show that I just want to prove people wrong and just go out and do my thing and. If you can swing the bat, I heard it all the time in high school. We had a coach that said, if you can hit, you can play. It don't matter. Um, and that just kind of stuck with me. Yeah. And so you, you've got a seemingly great eye here, Andrew, and you've got power. How do you, how do you balance when, you are, when you're aggressive and when you're like, you know what, if you want to walk me, I'll let one of my teammates step up and do it? Um, I think I always go up aggressive. That's the biggest thing. Just It's a calm aggressiveness. I mean, if I get my pitch to hit, I'm going to be all over it. But if I don't get a pitch to hit me at bat, I know I got a guy behind me that's going to do some damage. He'll probably get a pitch because after a walk, the pitcher is obviously going to want to get a first pitch strike and go at the guy. So um, that's just the biggest thing for me is just being patient and just letting things happen. I like that. Let's uh, continue our conversation with Andrew Vaughn coming up after a quick timeout here. And a reminder bring your family a four to a White Sox game for as low as $49. It's with the family four-pack. You get four tickets, four hot dogs, four drinks, four chips. It's presented by Country Financial. Prepare for your financial future one simple step at a time at takesimplesteps.com. For tickets, visit whitesox.com slash four-packs and enter the promo code VALUE. More with the White Sox first-round draft pick, Andrew Vaughn, coming on back here on White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. At the wall, the 380, gone! A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly continuing indeed. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Mark Carmen with you. Speaking, speaking with Andrew Vaughn, who's the White Sox first-round draft pick number three overall. The interview sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. Andrew Vaughn, I'm, as we continue our conversation here, right-handed hitting first baseman, a little bit undersized. Who did you, or who do you most pattern your game after? Who do you look up to? Um, the biggest thing 
biggest guy right now would definitely be Posey, just going through college and later in high school, just because of the way he goes about his business. He's such a professional. Um, he just does everything right. And then even off the field, he's so special doing the stuff with research for kids with cancer um, and just stuff like that. He really makes me want to be better. Who did you say? I think you might have cut up for a second. Um, Buster Posey. Oh, Buster Posey. Okay. Yeah, with the Giants. Yeah, yeah. Does that make you a Giants fan? Um, growing up, I was a bit of a Giants fan, definitely. Um, but I'm not a huge baseball watcher, to be honest. I'd rather play it. Interesting. But, what what sport do you watch the most? Um, um, if you want me to be honest, it's fishing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so you wake up, like, Saturday morning, 8 a.m. fishing show? I'd rather go fishing. Uh, Hopefully I'm not watching TV on a Saturday morning. Okay. I mean... I've watched fishing, Andrew. Those shows are. Uh, I mean, I got some work to do to get to get to the where I'm entertained here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh yeah. Is is that uh, is that maybe from your dad spending time with your pops out on the lake? Where does it come from? Well, yeah, definitely dad and both grandpa grandpas I have. Uh huh. Big fishermen. And you, you after you catch them, do you come home and and grill them up? Is that the deal? That happens sometimes. Yes, it does. Just- Catching trout, I definitely do that. Okay. With bass, I won't cook those things. They're nasty. Okay, I you know as a, as a kid, Andrew, I just want to you know be on the level with you here. I, I, I we would go smelt fishing. You know what a smelt is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you impressed? Oh yeah, I've never caught one actually, but I know what it is. Yeah, there's these there are these little guys. You just throw a net down there. I think you, yeah, you, you net them. Yeah. I definitely used a bait that looks like a smelt to catch trout. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So where where's the best place to go fishing out in, out in Cali? Ooh, I really like to fish the Sacramento River, the Upper Sacramento River by uh, Redding. There's so many trout in there. Um, let me fly fishing. I got a buddy that has a boat that we go out there every once in a while, um, and that's a treat. Some days you can catch forty fish. Some days, like the other day, we only caught five, but you're still always catching fish on that river. So you're telling me that you stand there in the middle of the river with the that that suit little thing on, and you're just you're you're sending the am I am I am I painting the correct picture here? Help me out. Um, a little bit. We're in the boat. Oh, you're I'm in the boat. A, I'm not a big wader guy, unless I mean sometimes if I steelhead fish back home on the Russian River, we'll get in waders, but that's very rare. So what's the difference between fly fishing and regular fishing? Fly fishing has a lot more going on and a lot more patience. A lot more patience, huh? So, can you tell us your strategy? Um, hmm. When you're fly fishing, you got to expect less. Okay. So you're That's going... what I tell myself. So it's like going for the big kill. Exactly. Okay. Going for the trophy. So basically, you're 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 going up. To, if we put it in a baseball term, you're going up to the plate. You're down three in the ninth, and you're you're not you're not willing to take a walk and you're going to try to take the ball of the ballpark at a grand slam, win the game. And, and, and sometimes it's going to happen. Most times not, but what, that one time when you do it, it's going to be amazing. And it is special. <laughs> see, like see, we, we, we brought that all around. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Connections everywhere. There we go. Who, who, who else have you uh, connected with in the White Sox organization other than Nick? Um, it was Nick, I believe. Um, their assistant scouting director came with Nick. Um, he was a great guy. And then I got to talk to the GM over the phone after the draft. Okay. And then that's really it in the area scout. Um, he was awesome getting to sit down and meet with him. And that's really it so far. I'm looking forward to meeting everybody and yeah. getting connected with the organization. 
Are, are you setting goals as to you know how quick you want to progress? Um, not necessarily how quick I want to get there, but I definitely want to get there and do my thing and just get better and join that team. Hopefully, win a lot of games and maybe win the championship. When White Sox fans get to see Andrew Vaughn on the field at Guaranteed Right Field, they will see. Like, how would you describe yourself, Nick? A guy that's what? What would you say? Um, I'm gonna go up there and give them my all. I'm gonna take my bats, and hopefully they're all good ones. I mean, I'm, my goal is to be ready for pitches coming at me. Um, just want to play exciting. Want to make make the fans happy. Yeah, um, that's the biggest thing, and wins definitely do that. I mean, also home runs help that, but you're not going up there trying to do that every time. Um, but hopefully, we can uh, put on a good show for them. And you gave up pitching. Could, do, do you still have any, uh, I don't know, let's say it's the ninth inning and you guys are down 16-1. to 1. Would you? Could you get on the bump and still do it? No, for sure. I definitely could. That's always in the back pocket. <laughs> I haven't been a bullpen in quite a while, but I can still get it over plate. Yeah. You miss it? Yeah, not too much. Okay. Okay. And if they stuck you at third base, how would you feel over there? Um, I think I'd be comfortable. Um, I need a little bit of time over there because I haven't been over there in quite a while since high school, but I think I could do it. Did they ask you uh, whether you could play multiple positions? Was that discussed? Yeah, for sure. They definitely asked if I thought I could play it, if I was comfortable there. But I told them I'll play wherever. I just want to be in the lineup. Have you played any outfield? Um, when I was younger, yeah, I played a little bit of left field. Okay. All right. But you but you do see yourself as a first baseman? Um, yeah, for the time being. Okay. Fair enough. Well, Andrew, congratulations. Great to catch up with you. And uh, White Sox fans are looking forward to seeing you on the field down the line here and uh, winning a World Series, most importantly. That's, that's uh, you know, you're a part of hopefully something real special here. And, uh, yeah, you, it's, it's a great group. You're going to love the guys. I, I can tell you that uh, with a ton of confidence. So you, you ended up in a good spot, and Chicago's a phenomenal city. Do you, do you like pizza? Oh, do I like pizza? <laughs> <laughs> my, you, favorite place, my favorite pizza place growing up was actually called Old Chicago Pizza. Is that right? You can ask anybody that. What what, what do you get on it? Uh, deep dish. What do I get? Sausage, pepperoni. I think, I think that's it. Oh my God! So you're you're I mean you're gonna fit right in here. Oh yes. We we got some. We got, I to make sure I run a little more often if I start eating that pizza all the time. But well, right. But everybody, you gotta have a cheat day once a week or whatever it is. Come on. Oh yeah, you do. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're you're not playing center field. You're playing first base once a once a once a week, and we can have a we can have a, we can have a slice or two. I, and 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 by the way, I I recommend trying them all. People will tell you this is the best. That's the best. You you got you got to figure that out on your own. But, yeah. So I'll take that to heart. I'll do that. All right, Andrew. Congrats again. Be well, and thanks for joining us on White Sox Weekly. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, there you go, Andrew Vaughn. I, Curtis is sitting there smiling from ear to ear with the pizza talk. You love that, didn't you, Curtis? He's uh, he's a deep dish guy, California kid. Great way to get a Chicago connection out of the California kid. I was surprised the pizza place he went to was Old Chicago Pizza or Old Town Chicago Pizza. He's going to fit right in perfectly. I mean, what a just a nice young man, right? I, I was With impressed. his passion for fishing, I'm surprised he didn't become a professional fisherman. He loves the fishing. I, I talked to him for uh, you know a little bit after the interview, and I said, you know, we've got this big uh, Lake Michigan out here. I wouldn't necessarily eat 
the fish out of there, but I suppose you could. So, oh, don't you worry. I'm already checking it out. So, I mean, it's this is a, a real passion for him. But uh, interesting selection. The White Sox going for hitting with Andrew Vaughn. Uh, we'll get a little explanation from that coming on back here with uh, White Sox Director of Scouting, Nick Hostedler. He's coming up after the 5.30 News. We'll talk about Andrew and the rest of the draft as well. Nick is next and after news in two minutes on 720 WGN. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox, 720 WGN. The greatest draft in the history of the Chicago White Sox. Did they just have it? Welcome back, White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. What say you, Nick Hosteller? Thank you for jumping on here. The Chicago White Sox scouting director, our leader. And uh, are you are you breathing the nice sigh of relief that it's over, Nick? I am. I am. I had a nice, uh, nice about four and a half hour drive home after the draft. Gave me a little bit of time to uh, decompress, get get all my uh, all my stress out of me, and just kind of relax and enjoy the open road. So, what excites you most about this class? And then we'll start picking apart uh, individual players. Sure. You know, I think the main the main thing that excites me the most is just how different this was. Um, in regards to the type of player we brought in than any other class that, that I've been a part of um, here with the White Sox and, and the drafts that, you know, from 2008 on. So, you know, it, it was it was different from the standpoint there's a lot of high school talent, um, and it was different from the standpoint of how we managed our, our pool money. Uh, so I think the, the, the way we went about it, the way that we – uh, adjusted and the way that we were prepared, I think, was what excites me the most about about this draft in 2019. So, do you know why the White Sox White Sox have something in common with the 2008 Kansas City Royals? I do not, but I hope it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so do Sox fans. The Chicago White Sox, under the guidance of Nick Hostetler and all your and everybody else who's working with you, I know you do not do this alone. You're the first. No, not at all. You're, you're you're the first team since '08 to take a first baseman in the top three. Uh, now, do you remember who the Royals took in '08? I do. It's Eric Hosmer. That's correct. I think that worked out fairly well for them. I correct me if I'm wrong, but they did win a World Series, and Hosmer was a huge part of it. So that wouldn't be terrible they if did. that happened with Andrew Vaughn. But tell tell us why you know a guy who's you know seems like it, I mean I guess he can play some third too, but. Do you, you see him as a first baseman? Tell tell us why you you wanted him at number three. Well, I think the main thing we saw with him is his elite. The the bat is you can put any word you want on it. Elite, premium, uh, top of the top of the line, like anything you want to put on it, you can put on it. It, it has that that potential. Uh, he's a guy that you know I've said it before. He rolls out of bed and he swings the bat. I mean, he just hits, hits, and hits. And you know, I think we liked. From a physical standpoint, from a tool standpoint, we loved Andrew Vaughn, the hitter. We loved Andrew Vaughn, the first baseman. We loved Andrew Vaughn, uh, what he can bring to a team. From a data standpoint, from an analytics standpoint, we loved the the hard hit rate, the amount of balls he hits with exit velos above 95 and above 105. Uh, We liked the launch angle. We liked all of those things. And from a person standpoint, uh, off the field in the clubhouse, we love the lead-by-example uh, great teammate that he brings to this. So all of the pieces for, for Andrew Vaughn uh, we felt very comfortable in, 
and, and every one of those pieces of that puzzle lined up perfectly with the other. So I, I talked to you at Guaranteed Rate Field, uh, I guess it was Saturday before the draft. Uh, so you yeah. you were uh, you were doing a uh, putting you put me off well, Nick, in a very very graceful, nice <laughs> Nick Hostetler way. I'm like, so who are you taking? I'm like, well, we know who's going number one and number two, but I'm not so certain who will. Uh, you know who we're going to go with at three. I, I'm just curious. Like when when did you know that if, if Andrew Vaughn was going to be there and and the f- first two went the way you thought it would that you were going to that you knew that this was your pick? We started hearing rumors. Um, I mean, we start we the rumors have been going on about what was going to happen up top and this team was going to pass and because of this or that. Yeah, you know, and it really ramped up on Saturday night into Sunday where all the rumors hit of like oh they're the Orioles are going to go this route. They're going to take Vaughn, or they're going to take Bleday, or they're going to do this. And I, I think when it came down to it, um, and it's one of the great qualities of, of Rick and, and Kenny, they're very quick to calm the storm when things like that happen. And um, you know, they they were the whole time consider, you know, saying like, "Hey, let's keep our focus on where we anticipate this being. Like, this is going to settle back in." Uh, we went through every scenario on Sunday. We we went through everything we possibly could on all of the candidates. And, um, you know, we woke up Monday morning, headed into the ballpark. And at that point, I think we all kind of figured it settled back in as Adley Rushman was going to go one and Andrew Vaughn or uh, uh, Bobby Witt was going to go two. And then, you know, we had our pick between Andrew Vaughn, CJ Abrams, JJ Bleday, and those types. So, um, you know, I think we knew come Sunday night in the Monday morning that Andrew was going to more than likely be the guy we had we went down that direction, that road with, and we just needed a couple things to take care of on our end and, and check in, and, and we did that, and we felt really confident at that point, probably about mid Monday afternoon, that he was the guy we were going to go with. Fair enough. What what what? Uh, you know, without uh, I guess telling us things you can't tell us, but what what type of questions do you ask these guys when you're sitting down with them? I mean, every, when you talk to the players, Nick, they all say that it's not so much about on the field. You want to get to know the guy. So, I mean, how do you go yeah. about doing that? You have to find something when you're meeting with them to talk to that'll bring out the true person. Um, find something in their background or that they're passionate about uh, away from the field that can let you kind of that, that they will let you in. Um, and in Andrew's case, it was when we started talking about his family. We started talking about his sister, his mom. She dealt with him some health things and how he had to handle that. And talked about his dad and you know fishing and some stuff he likes to do off the field. When we did that. At that point, he really, uh, I don't want to, and he never went into it with a, a guard up or a wall, but he really let anything down and he really let us in on who he was as a person. And we really started to get to know him. He, he felt very comfortable with us. He started talking about his off the field, his girlfriend, where she's from, how they met, certain things like that. Uh, we had a great hour meeting with him where we just, I mean, really, it truly was just three guys sitting around just you know, talking and, and it really, it, it was, we walked out of there knowing that at that point, like he was capable of being a guy to, to carry, um, you know, to carry a, a legacy and carry a franchise. Yeah. And then, so you're sitting there, right. And you know that these guys, whoever it is from Andrew on down to your 40th round pick, they all want to impress you. So that you got to have your antenna up, right? And then, I mean, I, I, I but it would be awkward too. You don't want to like try to trip guys up either. 
And no one's perfect. Also, like if, if somebody has stuff in their past, it's like where, you know, how do you, do you ask questions like, well, what's the biggest thing that you did wrong that you learned from? Is that <laughs> I mean that that's we the, usually know, yeah we usually know going into it. Um, you know, some stuff, some background stuff, some things we want to know. And, and look, these meetings can bring they can bring everything under the sun that we some things we're expecting, some things we're not. We had a guy this year show up forty minutes late to it. Um, you know, that was a concern for us. It was like, okay, why was he 40 minutes late? What was the reason? Um, we had some stuff, some injury stuff. We had to ask certain players and, you know, we just straight up and asked them. Um, we see how honest they are in telling us and how, you know, you can read when you do these things over the course of, I think it's 19 years for me. Mike Shirley was with me on most of them. He's done it for about the same amount of time. When you've done these meetings, you can read people well, and you you kind of know um, you know when they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes, so to speak, or they're just being honest. So, you know, the, especially when you're dealing with 18 to 21 year old kids, the one thing about them uh, is is they're not great liars. Um, they may be able to put on a front. We've had a few guys over the course of my career that has tried, but we can you can usually normally see through a lot of stuff. Who would you say over the years? When you talk to him for the first time, like, whoa, this dude's intelligence is off the charts. I mean, you got some pretty smart people running around the White Sox organization. Yeah, you know, um, Vaughn was one of them. Andrew was one of them. Um, he was, he's just really, he's able to process things so easily. Um, he's able to slow things down. Uh, Nick Madrigal was one of them. Um, you know, and what, I think one of the things that's exciting for me is they're all different. Um, you know, the guys, and normally I only meet with the, the first-round pick. Our area scouts meet with all of the players that they turn in. But, um, you know, for me, the personalities are so different from Zach Collins, Zach Birdie, um, Jake Berger, Nick Madrigal, to now Andrew Vaughn. Like, they're all different in their own right, you know, and, and Berger and Berger's got a little bit more personality and he's out there a little bit more. Zach's a little bit more quiet dry sense of humor but he's got a little there he's really a funny kid um you know madrigal's all business you talk to nick and it's like it's like let's go let's he's amped up it's like he's on drinking about 20 red bulls a day and you know and, and andrew's very calm and andrew vaughn was very calm and he was very uh you know patient you know when you talk to him about it and he learned a lot about it from fishing and it was just they all have such different personalities it's it's kind of exciting. It's it's funny that you say that about Nick because I just had him on White Sox Weekly and just straight on point, uh, you know, just 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 ready to go. <laughs> Which, by the way, he he just got the promotion fairly recently to, to Double A. Uh, what what would you say about that? Yeah, that's exciting to see. I mean, anytime you see, you know, he had a really good stretch of the last, I think, like uh, seventeen to twenty games where he was hitting, you know, three twenty ish and and couple home runs, a bunch of doubles, stole a bunch of bags, and he's playing great defense, and he earned it, you know, and that's the one thing I'll say about Chris Getz and his staff, like, they're not just giving away promotions left and right. They Nick started it at high A. I'm sure he probably wasn't expecting that. He was probably start, expected to start a little bit higher, but um, they challenged him, and he rose to the challenge, and you know, and I think that's one of the great things about our player development staff is there's there's not going to be anything given. These guys these guys have to earn it, and and they challenge guys, and and they did that with Nick, and and challenge accepted, and he conquered that challenge. Now on to the next one. Let's talk and uh, White Sox director of scouting with us here, Nick Hostetler on seven twenty WGN. Let's go second round. Matt Thompson, Cy Ranch High School. 
ERA is senior year, .87. Last time I checked, that's pretty good. 13-0, 124 strikeouts. Uh, was committed to, to Texas A&M, you guys making him a second-round pick. Uh, I, I'm assuming that uh, you wouldn't have done that if you didn't think you could sign him. Yeah, we've got a pretty good idea on on all of the top ten rounds, guys. We we pretty much know going into it what it's going to take to make them a member of the organization. We uh, we talk to the agent, the player prior to the selection to make sure they're comfortable with us and we're comfortable with them and what they're looking for financially. So, yeah, we we feel really excited about adding Matt. And you know, and I think the one thing with Matthew is is that the athleticism, the upside, the, it's tremendous. It's, he's not even came close to scratching the surface on what he can do. And, um, you know, coming off of last summer, he was a consensus first-round guy that battled some inconsistencies this spring on a very good high school team with his teammate, J.J. Gosco. And I think he went about 36 right around that range. So that's a pretty good pitching staff to have in high school. Uh, but uh, he's he's ready to go. I think we're excited. You know, we're looking forward to getting him out there and, and going and starting to develop a path he was one we targeted uh, really the last couple of weeks as being a guy we really wanted to add. Conversation with Nick Hostetler continuing after a quick timeout here. Join us at Guaranteed Rate Field as the White Sox take on the New York Yankees on Saturday, June 15th. That's a 6-10 first pitch. First 20,000 fans will get a White Sox Hawaiian shirt presented by Beggar's Pizza. Visit WhiteSox.com to purchase your tickets today. Uh, I am going to uh, promote... Uh, a young, I see. I've seen some highlights of a three-year-old. Uh, his name is Cade. Lefty swing, Curtis. I mean, just power. Good. I, I would almost say good strike zone command as well. Maybe we can get him uh, on on the White Sox radar here coming back. Like a Yohan Moncada. Like a young, like a three-year-old Moncada. I mean, that's what. I mean, I think I think Cade could get it done. Head to the park after work for bleachers and brews. Get one bleacher seat and two beers for twenty-two dollars all season long. You got to be twenty-one and over with a valid ID. Bleachers and brews presented by Budweiser. To purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com/brew and enter that promo code Brew. His older brother Chase is pretty solid too. He's six. So, but. They might be late on, on that one. All right, coming on back, Nick Hosta, the White Sox Director of Scouting. As we get deeper into the draft, that's next on White Sox Weekly 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly 720 WGN. Join us Friday, June 14th. Sox host the Yankees 710. It's rock and roll night. Fireworks presented by Guaranteed Rate. Guaranteed Rate is your home team throughout the season and the mortgage process. Get started today at rate.com. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com. So as we continue our conversation with White Sox Director of Scouting, Nick Hostedler, in the third round, the White Sox drafted Andrew Dahlquist, who's a high school pitcher, throws in the mid-90s. It's a very interesting draft pick because he's committed to Arizona. So he's not going to sign for third-round money. The White Sox are going to have to overpay to get him to not go to college, which is one of the reasons in rounds 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, they took guys who were seniors in college who they don't necessarily have to uh, overpay but might be able to underpay for, guys who don't have as many options. But Dahlquist is a guy that they obviously liked a ton, high-ceiling guy. So as we continue uh, with Nick, what do you like so much about Andrew? You know, Douglas was a little bit different from the standpoint we weren't expecting him to be there in the third round. Um, you know, with Matt, I think Matthew, we felt 
pretty confident he was going to get down to our second round pick, just was battling some of the inconsistencies of the spring with his stuff. But with Dahlquist, um, I'm not sure any of us were really expecting him to get down there. And we had to adjust on the fly at that point. That the end of the first day when the second round was over, we evaluated our board, we put the guys in order that we had interest in, and and I would like to say we slept on it. I'm not sure that any of the staff from from Jeremy, Rick, uh, Kenny, down through all the guys in the room. I don't think any of us really slept much that night because we were contemplating how to handle the next day. Um, and Dahlquist's situation was one that was unique, and it presented us with the opportunity to add what we felt was another projectable, high-ceiling front-line arm. So we took that uh, that opportunity and ran with it. Ex- explain, then, what were you most concerned about? Why, weren't you, why was it a long night of uh, non-sleep? Well, I think the main thing was it was it was trying to trying to decide what direction and route we wanted to take the next day. You know, you could take one where you spread your pool money out over the next, uh, you know, really the next from third round to the tenth round, and get guys that are around that slot value, or you can you can essentially spend up on a guy you feel is is worthy of that number and, and go get them, and then you got to make it up on the back end financially. So. We were we were bannering that back and forth all night through text messages and emails and you know I know a lot of our guys were up at night watching film trying to figure out just where we were and how comfortable we would be with it so I think we left the room about eleven thirty midnight and we uh, came back in the next day and I, I think all the way up until probably about an hour before the pick we had not made a decision on how, which direction we were going to go so we finally all met and came to a group conclusion that that we needed to get aggressive and go get. Uh, Drew Dahlquist, that's what we did. White Sox scouting director Nick Hostetler with us here on 720 WGN as we review the draft on White Sox Weekly. That gets me so jealous, Nick. I want to be in that room making these decisions. <laughs> I, I mean, I love my I love my career over here, but that just sounds like a lot of fun. It is, and and you know what? I hope, hopefully, you know, God willing, I can do this for the next twenty years and be in a position to to sit here and make picks and be a part of this great organization. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, this continues because it is it's an adrenaline rush. I mean, it's it's three days of of the highest of highs. I mean, you just get going, and I mean, you don't eat, you don't sleep, but but it's okay. Like we know that we know that going in. Like that's that's what we work all year for is to have these three days to to get after it there's phones going everywhere you know everybody's making calls you know you almost you have to tell yourself when you leave the draft room like hey none of that that went on there is anything personal there's stress that comes into it there's there's passion and and that's what we love about it you know the passion and the energy that it brings and you know hopefully the organization feels that shot in the arm when these players sign and get out well and you know for you too you want to be able to say whether it goes right or wrong, whether this goal ends up with, uh, you know, whatever, you being wherever you want to be in your career or not, to say that you did what you wanted to do, right? Like, I wanted to take that guy. It seemed like a risk. Some people were telling me no, but I'm, you know, this. I'm sitting in the seat for a reason, so this is why I'm making this selection. Right or wrong? Like, you have to have conviction on a guy, right? I mean, that's, and believe in yourself. Absolutely, and it starts with the trust you have in your staff. And that, when I say staff, it just doesn't mean our scouts. Our, we have a great staff of guys that work very hard, from our area scouts to our cross checkers, but also all of the other parts of the staff that, that we have in the office, from our data and analytics team. Um, you know, trusting them to have the right information, to read the right information the right way. Um, the staff that works closely with me in Chicago, um, being Dan Fabian and Jeff Lockman and 
and Emily Blady and Devin Pickett and Daniel Zion, all of them. And then, and then it goes to Jeremy Haver, um, you know, Chris Getz, Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams. I mean, it's everybody has to work in step and we have to, to, to be in this together. But ultimately, look, if this doesn't work, like that's falls squarely on my shoulders and I'm the one that, you know, needs to be replaced if it doesn't go the right way. And then, fully take responsibility for it. But, you know, having trust in those people around you makes it a lot easier for me to sleep at night knowing that we're we're making the best effort to make the right picks each and every year, each and every pick. A couple more minutes here with Nick Hostetler. Were you surprised that uh, the, sh- the shortstop C.J. Abrams went all the way six to San Diego? A lot of people had him going number four. Yeah, there was a little bit of talk with that. You know, it's funny because we a lot of us joke around when we're out seeing games like we – uh, come about mid-May, you really know who everybody's on uh, because that team's at every game. And I, I think each time I went and saw CJ play, I think I saw him play four times in the last month of the season. And each time, it was either the Padres director, their assistant director was there every single time. Same with the Marlins. Um, so you know, we kind of knew at that point who was who was on players. And the the scouting director with the Padres is a good friend of mine, and, and we, him and I texted a, a little bit. And Mark was saying just. You know, he was shocked. He was shocked that C.J. Abrams got down to that to six, and he was expecting to go four. But I don't think the Marlins are disappointed in, in getting the SEC home run leader and J.J. Bleday player of the year. I think the Padres are really excited to get a talent like C.J. Abrams as well. Yeah, I mean, I was just watching his tape. He looked pretty damn impressive to me. And he as, is. as he did, is. you know, every single one of the top selections here. Uh, all right, before you go, I know you're excited about uh, a couple of Puerto Rican high school prospects. Victor Torres, mm-hmm. who you took in the 11th round, and uh, Misael Gonzalez-Acosta, who you took in the 12th round. Victor's a catcher. Uh, what would you like about these guys? Yeah, Torres is, Torres is a guy that can really catch and throw. He's a guy that, uh, in, in the last two years, I think you've seen, we've taken um, four Puerto Rico players, and mainly the main reason is because Juan Alvarez, um, who is our uh, southeast cross-checker, is one of the best. Um, I don't want to go too far here and praising Juan too much. I don't want him to ever leave us. Uh, but adding him to our staff two years ago has been one of the, the best hires we've ever made. I mean, it's he has made an impact for us in South Florida and Puerto Rico. And, um, you know, he was a direct result of Kelvin Maldonado last year, and he's a direct result of these two players this year. And Torres is a guy that can flat-out catch and throw. Uh, we like some of the ability with the bat. We see some, you know, the thing about Puerto Rico, people have a misconception on, those players don't play all the time. Uh, you would think that they play constantly every day. They only play once a week, and they play on the weekends. That's it. So um, getting those guys out and getting Torres some more at-bats is going to be important for him um, just to, to increase that bat and, and to go along with the catching ability. And Gonzalez is a player that came to our workout in Chicago. He showed us some power that we weren't expecting to see. We love the bat on this kid, and I'm not going to put him up into James Beard as far as the, the running as, as fast as Beard, but he's awful close. Um, wow. If Beard's a, an 80 runner, um, Gonzalez is like a 79 runner. Um, I mean, it's just it's one step behind James Beard, and we added we added him, knowing that you know him and Beard together um, could make for a formidable pair in the in the lower levels as they develop through. And, and let me just rewind back for a second. D- does, was 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 Dahlquist surprised that you guys selected him? Uh, we called. You know, the agent and I had been in contact for about three days. Um, 
and in knowing where he he was signed at University of Arizona, knowing what it was going to take to sign him. As we progressed, I think that we went to bed the night before. I think he was probably expecting that we weren't going to take him. Um, but when I called back the next morning uh, and told the agent, like, "Hey, I think we're going to be. I think we're going to do this. Let's see if we can't get something done here." Um, he called Drew and told him. So I do think he was a little shocked we were back into it. Um, I do know there was a team right not far from us in the in that round that was going to take him. Um, so I think he was probably anticipating going to that team. And then when we called there uh, about an hour before the draft told him we were going to take him, I think that probably that probably shocked him a little bit. But at the same time, when I talked to the young man, he was he was over the moon excited. He was really pumped up and he's ready to go. That's awesome. Uh, the the local guy DJ Gladney. No, in the sixteenth yeah. rounder, third baseman. Everybody wants. Everybody loves local Nick. Ah, they do, and and we've known DJ for a long time. Nathan Durst and, and his crew of, with the H program uh, has known DJ since he's been a, a yeah, probably just a, probably twelve or thirteen years old. Um, so they've known him for a long time. JJ Lally, our area scout, uh, really liked DJ. Brought him to our workout. He was there as well. Uh, he showed some power there. I don't think any of us, maybe even including DJ, were expecting. Um, and he he's a kid that we're uh, cautiously optimistic. I think we're going to be able to get something done with DJ um, and, and bring him into the fold and make him a part of the White Sox family. And um, But our area scout, J.J. Lally, and then Nathan Durst was uh, very influential in, in making that pick. Nick, always great to talk to you. Congrats on the draft. Wish you a ton of success, of course. And, uh, by the way, Kyle Kubat's coming up on uh, White Sox Weekly. You got a question for me for him? Anything I should Kyle bring up? Kyle Kubat. Yeah, the scout that signed Kyle, Matt Price, a good friend of mine. And, uh, I know he's rooting for Kyle as well as the rest of us. So I know those Royals guys still love him, so I hope he gets up there. Hopefully he's ready to go up to the big leagues at some point and beat the Royals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just an awesome story. The guy's 26 it years is. old, having a breakout year, was the White Sox minor league pitcher of the month. Uh for those of us who peak later in life, I'm cl- including myself in that one, Nick. I, I root for guys like that. So, yeah, I'm still waiting for that peak moment for me. So we'll get there. <laughs> you're you, you're you're well, well, well on your way, sir. So, c- 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 congrats on all the success. And uh, hey, we'll talk soon, Nick. Thanks for taking time. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate the time. Nick Hostetler. All right, let's. Uh, you will hear Kyle Kubat. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. Come up after six o'clock here. Quick timeout news coming up. David Jennings will have that for you. Seven twenty WGN. White Sox Weekly. Seven twenty WGN. Pleased to have on the White Sox Minor League Pitcher of the Month, Kyle Kubat, who's uh, joining us now and. Kyle, you have had quite the journey coming from Kansas City, undrafted all the way back in 2015, finding your way to the White Sox. You've been up and down the system, and now to be the minor league pitcher of the month, congratulations. That's an awesome accomplishment. I appreciate it. It is an accomplishment, and uh, I'm honored to be named to play a pitcher of the month for May, and uh, it's a a humbling feeling, and you know, it's a long season, so I just got to keep working hard every outing and every day I get to the field. So you, you start the year at Winston-Salem. You get bumped up to Birmingham. Last year, you you got all the way up to Charlotte and had to start. Uh, what would you say, because people are saying that I guess your slider is improved. 
what do you point to as far as you know my successes on the uptick? Any any particular reason? Um, yes, I've definitely been working on my slider and my curveball, so the breaking stuff. Um, it's, it's been average throughout my career, so I've been committed to working on those two pitches um, throughout my professional career and just being able to do what I do best, throw strikes, get ahead of hitters, attack the zone with you know, three to four different pitches depending upon the day and attack hitters and get them out and, you know, less than four pitches and see what happens from there. And so you're a college guy. You went to Nebraska. You played for Darren Erstead. We had uh, Aaron Bummer on last week, and he spoke glowingly about your coach. I, I know you have the same feelings. What what was it like for you in college? And I, I guess he was holding a vision for you that perhaps you weren't holding for yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, the, he's more than just a coach. So he's in your corner for the rest of your life, and You've played for him, and you've known him, and he's he's a fantastic human being um, and a fantastic coach. And, you know, college is it's difficult at times. You're away at home from home for the first time, and it can be stressful. So there were times in college where, you know, I struggled as just a person, not even on the ball field. So to have him just be there for me as a mentor, not just a coach, is is very very rewarding to have him in, in my corner, and I can't thank that man enough for um, making me the ball player and the man I am today. I mean, you're, you were born in Omaha, correct? So that, that had to be a bit of a dream for you, if not a huge dream, to play, be able to play for Nebraska. Wearing the, wearing the red from, from Omaha, born and raised, yeah, it's a, it's a cool feeling. I was... I was in the stands. I was at Rosenblatt Stadium when Nebraska made the College World Series, and um, to be able to put on the Nebraska uniform was an even better feeling. And when you were coming in the minors, Kyle, Kyle Kubat joining us here on White Sox Weekly, the White Sox Minor League Pitcher of the Month, pitching for the Birmingham Barons right now uh, on 720 WGN. You get in that minor league clubhouse for the first time. You're older than than over half the team, Kyle. Did you feel like, I don't know, it like more mature than your teammates, like it was sort of like you just maybe had an edge, so to speak, that you had had already been through college. Um, you know, these who I'm with now is who I was with last year, and yeah, they know who I am. And um, you know, being in the being in the minors for four years and being in college, you know, give them what I've learned through college in my four or five years of minor league ball and help them um, get better as well. Um, I feel like a little kid just still being able to play baseball, and I know I'm a little older, but um, I still feel like a little kid playing ball. Yeah, I mean, I'm in my mid-40s, Kyle. I still feel like a little kid. You, you, don't, want, you don't want to lose that. I think it's a good thing. It gives you that energy. Yeah. Uh, but I, Absolutely not. But, but then there's the whole... Hey, he's 26. Is he ever going to make it to the big leagues thing? That's kind of, you know, a pressure that a lot of guys feel. And I've seen some comments from you where you're trying to get there, but you also don't want to make your entire career about if I get to the big leagues. Like, it's just awesome that you get to play professional baseball, period. So that seems like something that you had to, you know, I don't know, work on to get yourself in a comfortable place where you don't have that whole weight on you all the time. Well, I, like I said earlier, in the, I think it was in uh, maybe April, 
Um, I had an interview with MILB, and it was kind of saying the same thing. And like, I was undrafted, so to still be here after, you know, five years in pro ball is, is a blessing. And I'm just having fun. Um, take everything as it comes, good days, bad days, good outings, bad outings, just being able to be a part of professional ball for five years, make so many connections, meet so many guys. You know, you want to make it to the big leagues. That's obviously a big goal for everyone who plays this game. But to be able to play this um, in, in minor leagues for, you know, five years after not being drafted, it's, it's a it's a blessing and it's humbling and I'm I'm thankful to just be able to still throw baseball. What were you gonna do if uh baseball didn't come calling? I don't know. Um I I got my degree. Um happy about that. Um Nebraska has some opportunities for graduates for, you know, traveling abroad, internships and stuff like that. So once baseball's done I'll um figure out that probably want to travel the world a little bit get into coaching and go from there but right now it's being able to throw baseball and staying healthy no doubt no doubt what's the degree in uh, nutrition health science okay so you're gonna be it was yeah it was chemical engineering but oh. then i decided uh i wanted to enjoy college a little bit <laughs> i i support that decision kyle just so you know <laughs> And yes. and you you learn some things that I I don't know it seems pr- maybe practical to your career right Yeah absolutely being able to understand how to eat how to stay healthy and use it for an athlete's lifestyle obviously it's very hard when we're on the road for you know 6 7 months out of the year so you got to stay disciplined and it definitely helps to be able to understand how to um train your body and eat, eat healthy in order to get through an entire baseball season because it is, it is long. It is a grind. I know um, it is a cliche phrase. We say it all the time, but once you get in it, you're like, holy cow, it actually is a grind. So to be able to understand, you know, what the what your body's doing, how you need to properly fuel it in order to get through an entire season is critical to, you know, playing at your, your peak performance. Do you allow yourself to go to Waffle House? Absolutely. There are no Waffle Houses in Nebraska. I think the closest one is Kansas City. So whenever I have a chance to go to Waffle House, you have to go to Waffle House. And then when they're, when you're in spring training, you got to go to In-N-Out. Uh-huh. have to go there and, you know, snack on a, on a burger and some fries. So, um, yeah, you got to have a cheat meal every now and then. You go animal style on that burger? Sometimes I do. I'm just more of a traditional cheeseburger guy, but sometimes I'll go animal style. Uh-huh. What's the order at Waffle House? Do you have that down to a T also? Uh, yeah, what is it? Um, what is it? The America's Plate or whatever they call it. <laughs> four, four eggs, bacon, um, oh. waffle, some, and some uh, hash browns. So. so good. Really, Fairly simple. See, people dog Waffle House. They're just you're just you're just not living your life the correct way. Waffle House does great work. It's not an everyday. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> you get off the bus at two in the morning sometimes, and there's a Waffle House right across the street, and they, you know, you got 20, 20 minor leaguers just bombard a Waffle House at two in the morning. So, I mean, it's good times. So, okay, 
just take me into that world for for one second because I, I don't know why I get jealous of this, but I just do. You guys play a night game in wherever, and then right after the game, you'll get on the bus and go and travel to the next location. You'll get in it, you'll eat, and then you'll go to bed and get, and get up and play a game the next day. Is that how that works? Yeah, that just depends on how far the travel is. So right now, actually, we're on a bus right now. We left at 9 in the morning. We're headed to Mobile, Alabama, but... If we're going from Birmingham to Jacksonville, Florida, we'll play 7 o'clock, finish the game at 10-ish, and then the bus will leave at 11 o'clock at night because that's about an eight-hour drive with a time change going from central to eastern time zone. So those trips will leave and go through the middle of the night, get there at 6, you know, 7 in the morning, go take a take a nap throughout the day and be back on the bus at about 3, 4 in the afternoon to go play. We're going to continue our conversation with Kyle Kubot coming on back here. People are texting in on Waffle House. Some people say you got to get the chicken waffles. I don't know about getting the chicken. That's aggressive. I think you got to stick to basics. Eggs, pancakes, mainly waffles, of course, bacon. Start doing the chicken. I mean, where does Waffle House get their chicken? That's That's a... That's an over-the-top move there. I give you credit for doing that. I don't know if I'm at the risky. All right, Kyle Kubat coming on back here. Uh, the White Sox, uh, at least Kyle Kubat's minor league baseball team, which is the Birmingham Barons right now, they play a game on the bus that is pretty aggressive. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. That's next, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Thanks for checking us out this afternoon. White Sox Weekly till the bottom of the hour. Then I get to talk with you. Until the till seven o'clock, and then Amy Guth will be along for the Saturday night special. We're having a conversation with Kyle Kubat, who's the White Sox minor league pitcher of the month. We caught up with him yesterday. He was on the bus as uh, they were making their way to play the Mobile Bears, Mobile, Alabama. And uh, so as we continue our conversation, I just wanted to get a little scene check. I mean, what are guys doing on that bus? Who's asleep? What's going on in there? So as we And what do they do on these rides? So here is uh, that answer and more with Kyle. You got about 80% of the bus is asleep, <laughs> and the other 20 are watching videos on their phone. And then you have me talking on the radio. Yeah, are they? Are people giving you looks right now? Are they mad at you? You're waking up. I mean, I, I want to apologize to the entire team if I have to. No, absolutely not. I think a hundred percent of the bus has some type of headphone in right now, so we are good. So it's almost like it, it's it's not as fun as like a '70s bus trip because guys are you know there's just so much stimulation going on that you're sort of in your own world, which is cool too. For the record, it you you get different kinds of bus trips. You know, after a win, we're we're driving back from Chattanooga, and if anyone knows or has been in a, you know, on a bus for a long time with a bunch of guys, we play a game called Mafia. Um, it gets really crazy. Um, a lot of played in college, played in professional ball. It's a very, very fun game to play on a bus for long periods of time. Can I get a – I don't know this game, Kyle. Can you explain Mafia? Is that, is, is that it? Uh, let's, say, let's say you have a group of 10 people. And there's a narrator, and you pick, you know, two to three mafia members who go around and then kill off the townspeople. Uh-huh. That's the kind of the objective of the game. And then you have a couple policemen, you have a couple doctors that try and pick out the mafia, 
and save each other. And then as the mafia members are kind of picking off the townspeople, then people start arguing with each other on who, who to kill off next. So people, you know, start saying, I'm in the mafia, he's in the mafia. And it, it gets very intense if people start arguing to the point where some people don't talk to each other for a couple of days because that's how intense the game gets. So it's just basically mafia members versus townspeople who can survive. So you don't, and like I said, it gets really intense. So you don't know who's who. Am I hearing this right? You you don't know who's who. The mafia members know who they are. Um, town and then the police people know who they are, and the policemen you know, pick. Um, everyone has their heads down, and uh, the narrator will say, "Mafia heads up." They'll put their heads up, and they'll pick a town person to to kill, and then the, they'll put their heads down. Then the policemen will put their heads up, and they'll pick a person, and the narrator will say if they are or are not in the mafia, and then everyone will have their heads up. The narrator will make up a joke story saying, oh, this person and, um, was doing something in the bullpen, and then a tree fell on him, and he, you know, he's done. And then people start arguing, saying, okay, if this person killed this person and this person's safe, then this person has to be in the mafia. And then people start arguing, and it gets really loud. So, um, like I said, it gets to the point where some people don't talk to each other for a couple of days because that's how intense people get in this game. And if you've, you've ever played uh, college or professional baseball, they know exactly what, what game I'm talking about, and it's a fun game. What's your favorite role? I like to be the doctor so I can save myself, so I can live, obviously. <laughs> Kyle Kubat. Or just, sit back and, or, or just sit back and watch and watch everyone fight. That's also kind of fun. Well, I think this is good, though, right? Because the best thing about a fight is then you guys got to eventually come back, have a little repair, you know, become friends again, so maybe you get even get closer as teammates, right? Absolutely. You know, about a week later, we start laughing at it. It's all good. It's all fun and games. No one gets um, that mad about it, but guys guys will argue a lot. and They'll just give each other a hard time because, you know, we're with each other for 140 games plus spring training, so we're with each other eight months out of the year. We're a family. We'll give each other a hard time. Um, we'll go through good times. We'll go through bad times together. And, you know, a good family sticks it out through thick and thin. There it is. No doubt about it. Stick it out through thick and thin like a family, a baseball team. Join us on Friday, June the 14th, as the White Sox host the Yankees at 710 for Rock and Roll Night and Fireworks presented by Guaranteed Rate. Guaranteed Rate, your home team throughout the season and mortgage process. Get started today at rate.com to purchase tickets. Visit whitesox.com. And Sox fans, join us on Saturday, June the 29th, 3, 12 p.m. in the afternoon as the Sox take on the Twins. First 10,000 fans, ages 21 and over. Get a White Sox 3-1-2 hat presented by the Goose Island Beer Company. Goose Island, Chicago's beer. Purchase tickets today by visiting whitesox.com or call 866-SOX-GAME. Thanks a ton to Kyle Kubot for joining us uh, and taking time. As he was on the bus there, the Birmingham Barons going to Mobile, Alabama, where they were rained out last night, rained out today. Uh, he was supposed to start on Sunday. I'm not sure if they're moving around their rotation. Quick timeout. We'll get you into news. This is 720 WGN.